Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome into Arrowhead Pride Radio. Arrowhead Pride, the most popular Chiefs website on all of the internet. Pass intercepted. It's Dan Sorensen. A pick six. Dan Sorensen. Dirty Dan Sorensen. All Chiefs, all the time. Here's Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. All right. Debut episode, Arrowhead Pride Radio, Dusty Likens, Pete Sweeney, Grant Nicholson here with us as well, but it is a uh, it is a Wednesday. This week is going by so slow. You know how I know it's episode one of Arrowhead Pride Radio? Why is that? Well. Dan Sorensen. Dan Sorensen highlight. <laughs> the Jay Binkley mention. Uh, You're taking over for our guy this year, so we're happy to have you here yeah. on 610 Sports Radio and, of course, the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Every week, 6 to 7, we'll be talking Chiefs, but... You're right, dude. It is Chiefs Bills week. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Since February. And I think what makes it better is neither of these teams really slipped up going into the game, right? The Bills absolutely rolled over and destroyed the spirits of the Pittsburgh Steelers and their entire fan base with that game. And then, you know, the Chiefs didn't really dominate the Raiders, but it was one of the more memorable moments and, and wins in Arrowhead in a long time. So... You had no slip-up going into this game, and both teams have one loss. And for that reason, I think it means even more because it's just a leg up on the rest of the conference. Yeah, I think this game is interesting because it seems that they're mirror images of each other, maybe not on defense as the numbers would implicate that. But I think when you look at these two teams and it's Allen Mahomes, like both guys are the cliche, cool off the field. We're friends. We talk. We play golf. Blah, blah, blah. The match. Like, you you play golf. Yeah, correct. And it's like, the I wish you kind of do, right? I'm all right. Yeah. Is my handicap less than 20 Do you play no. fast? Do I play fast? Like, if you lose your ball, you're like, I got to find it. Oh, no, no, it's a noodle. no. So, I know we're getting <laughs> off topic already. Yeah. My strategy is just to have as many balls as possible. And well, if I lose one, I'm moving on quick. I, I'm not... Yeah, yeah. This this is not a situation. We're not going to slow down the golf cart. Uh, so anyway, so again, the friendship off the field, the the on the field type of mentality that both these guys have. It's kind of like a. I remember an interview that Romanowski did with Jim Rome way back in the day. And he said when he crossed the white line, which is obviously getting on the football field, a different persona took over. And Romanowski obviously was crazy yeah. as hell. Um, but Alan Mahomes, like it seemed that it was only perfect that. Allen throws four touchdowns against Pittsburgh, and then Mahomes comes out Sunday night or Monday night football against the Raiders, four touchdowns to one guy, uh, obviously. But it seemed like that game kind of mirror image, like whatever you do, I'm going to do. Now, obviously, the Chiefs game, you said earlier, a little closer than the Buffalo-Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh's got, you know, Pickett starting that game. Buffalo's going to eat him alive. Th- that it's was a division it, game. It's weird to see the the Steelers just Fold. stink. I mean, we have not seen the Steelers just outright be terrible in what seems like forever. But that you're right. That that's where they're at now. So I wouldn't really, really be like, okay, the Bills look better than the Chiefs because I, I think the Raiders are better than their record. They are obviously very frustrated to the point of pushing down photographers uh, at this stage. But uh, I, I would say obviously a tougher opponent for the Chiefs. But they both ended up with the win. So same 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 result in in the win column. 
That being stated, then you look at both teams. One and two in offense. They're they're the showman team. They're I mean, this game is literally what I'm gonna call later tonight the midseason Super Bowl. This is what every last year, everybody yeah. when the divisional round game happened, everyone said, I don't really care about anything else. This is the these two teams, if they could, should be in the Super Bowl. This should be the championship game. We have this again, and we're going to have this again and again and again because both these teams are going to win their division again this year. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it's what it's shaping out to be. Why is it that this game around the league is so built up? Is it because of it's Buffalo, it's Kansas City, or is it because it's Allen, it's Mahomes, or is it just because well, it's offense versus offensive juggernauts? I think what what you you see all the time is just disagreements between analysts on all these shows. You know, whether it be Around the Horn or NFL Live, Undisputed, right? That's the Fox one. Whatever they're doing on Fan Duel TV nowadays. Mm-hmm. I think the consensus through, between all these people who love to argue, and and that's TV and sports TV nowadays, is that that game between the Chiefs and Bills was. Certainly the best game of the year, the playoff game. And for a lot of people, the best game they've seen in five years, if not ever, especially the ending. Like, Is it the best game you've ever seen? In person, you've watched a lot of football. In person at Arrowhead, I, I think, I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you can get a better ending than that. And like, if you want to debate, okay, there was a better game that I've seen, sure. But the last two minutes, have you ever seen a two minutes like that? I don't think anyone could argue with that point either. And so greatest ending to a game especially one that, that wasn't a Super Bowl, probably of all time. And that just leads you to anticipate, well, when is the next time these two teams are going to link up? You hope that they meet in the playoffs, but that's not always a given. We see upsets in the playoffs all the time. And so you circle this on your calendar, and as we were just talking about before, the big thing is it's, it's in a window, too, at 425 Eastern time, 325 hourhead time here, where you have two really, really low-level games going on at the same time between the Cardinals and the Seahawks and the Rams and Carolina. If you're not a fan of one of those teams, you are watching Bill's Chiefs. So that is what also makes it a, a playoff game in a sense. And I, I know that people love primetime games. I love that this game is during the day. We haven't really had a big, big-time Chiefs game like this where it matters so much in the regular season during the day in a long time. And I'm, I'm pretty stoked that we're going to get it at, at three So to sneak this in as well is I think another big storyline in this game is Chris Jones, mm-hmm. right? The guy's on a year where he's going to play in a, in a season where the chiefs are either have to pick up that contract again for another year, which I think is 20 plus million, or you do the thing that you did with Justin Houston. You eat a little bit, you let him go test his own will in the market. The other thing that's kind of pinned against Chris Jones, he seems like he's the, the black sheep of the of the NFL. Like he gets attacked by the ref against Indianapolis, the roughing the passer call against the Raiders. How does Chris do you just mentally tell Chris to just keep being yourself and keep playing the way you know how to play? Because he's been not dominant, but he's been damn good this year. It's been an interesting stretch here for Chris Jones. The the Matt Ryan thing, I think everyone sort of agreed with the chief side of it. They didn't really understand how something verbal could cost you a football game, but I'm sure that there were people out there that were like, good, good for Matt Ryan. Good for the Colts in the NFL. They shouldn't be talking like that. Good that the chiefs got a loss. And so I think that uh, a lot of folks were maybe having differing views on that one. Uh, The chiefs were, were certainly not thrilled with, with Jones, but I also think that they felt that it wasn't warranted as well. And and they said it in in so many words. This other one where maybe you could have made like an excuse. You, you, you have no excuse for, for this one when it comes to like supporting the referees. And I think it captured the national attention 
And not only because it was so egregious and could have really ruined a, a great night of football, but just because the same exact thing happened the, the day before with Grady Jarrett and, and the Falcons and, and Tom Brady. You understand that you got to protect the quarterback. The quarterbacks are everything in this league. But you also got to be honest with yourself and be like, this is what they signed up for. I mean, they are quarterbacks, but they understand the risk. They're the best athletes in the world. This is why they make the money they make. At a certain point, there needs to be an in-between. I, now, I don't think quarterbacks should be getting mauled because it would not be a good league, let's say, if 10 quarterbacks that were starters were injured. But you need to get back to a place where you can touch the quarterback and not have to have these defensive players thinking about it. Like That, to me, is the key right now. Like You're creating a situation in the NFL where these guys have to think. And the way that, especially defensive coaches, and, and Steve Spagnuolo has talked to me about this at, at times, is we want these guys to to feel like it's so simplified that they don't have to think. That's how you play fast. That's how you play good defensive football. You're creating a situation where every defensive player in the league, if they even come close to the quarterback, needs to say, well, how do I even do this? That is not good football. <laughs> and I think that's why it became such a national story. It's because it it is something that every team and fan, no matter who you root for, can relate to. Like every team, it, it seems seemingly, has had a a moment like this in their history. And just in general, and you got to take the Kansas City out of yourself for a second, it's gotten to a place in the, the NFL where nobody wants to see Tom Brady win a, a football game. Um, and, and to me, not taking the ball out of the hands of Atlanta was, um, you know, was terrible. And, and, you know, again, in Kansas City, someone wants to see Patrick Mahomes be legitimately beaten. And I, I think the legitimacy of the game was taken away for a second. And I think that's why you saw Arrowhead get as mad as it did. We'll be joined by Ron Kopp, Jr. of Arrowhead Pride here in a little bit, around 6.15. But before we do that, we got to get into the injury report that is Wednesday. This is the first time that you're able to go talk to the players, talk to the coaches when all the stuff comes out. Reed obviously talks today. Mahomes talks today. Yeah. Um, Chiefs injury report looks a little – there's some glimmers of, of good well, news. Yeah, so we, we got the first injury report today. There were four Chiefs not practicing. We know Turk Wharton tore his ACL. So he's mm-hmm. still on the 53, so we, we have to mention him right now, but he's not going to play the rest of the year. He's going to be headed to IR. Rashad Fenton, Chris Lamonds, and Brian Cook all did not practice, so we will see on them. Your limited Chiefs were Harrison Butker did spot him on the field today. Looked okay. Uh, we, we was he get, piping any, or was he did, just keeping we, it off? We didn't. We didn't get a lot of time on the field today to to really see any Shocker. anything piped, uh, as you're describing. Um, Mike Dana was also limited. Mike Dana, he hasn't played since week two, and, and he's been really underrated to me uh, as a loss for this team. Um, just not having him because I I think he was having a pretty good season under the radar. So getting him back would be a huge boost. And then Frank Clark was limited uh, because he was sick. I'm not going to say any more words about that. I know there's some fans not too happy about it. Not on the injury report, and this is probably the biggest news, is that Trent McDuffie returned to the field. The reason he's not on the injury report is he's still technically on IR. This opens up a 21-day window where the Chiefs can activate him. They're optimistic that he can play against the Buffalo Bills, but we'll see. I tend to think McDuffie will join the roster, technically speaking, on Saturday. That's when Turk Wharton will go on to IR. And then... Some other, I think, slightly big news is Trey Smith was a full participant. So you had Nick Allegretti for the spot start last game, but you should have a full offensive line for the Chiefs. And you look the other side, the Bills are missing a lot of players when it comes to did not practice and, and limited, including Von Miller was got a rest day. He was limited. You are wondering if, if Jordan Poyer is going to be able to go in this game, a cornerback and Christian Benford. And you, you're, you're eyeing. You're eyeing the, the Bills' 
um, injury report. A lot of guys are limited, and so we'll have to see. But when this is the case, usually at least one or two of these key players are going to be either questionable, doubtful, or or out. And I think you know that'll that'll be key on on the Buffalo side. But so hopefully you get Butker and Dana back, and hopefully you get McDuffie back. I think we're going to get Trey Smith back. So some good news on the chief side of it, other than Trick Warden. If McDuffie is back, does he play limited? Is it a pitch count? Is it is it better news that he's back or yeah. better news that Trey Smith's back? Um, well, the Chiefs, a loaded the, question. <laughs> yeah, the Chiefs won with with Nick Allegretti. I mean, I, I think there were some some moments where they had to settle in when when it seemed like Max Crosby might dominate, but they did, and they were able to figure it out. I, I think Trent McDuffie is huge because Rashad Fenton is dealing with an injury right now, and even if he wasn't injured, he has to to be friendly here. Left some some room to be desired when it, when it comes to being able to stay downfield with some of these talented wide receivers, and so I think Chiefs fans and and I could see where the Chiefs would do this are rooting for even if Fenton was healthy, McDuffie coming back into the mix and then leaving Legarius Sneed and then the rookie seventh rounder and Jalen Watson as your two other cornerbacks and seeing what happens and, and what these young guns can do. So McDuffie getting back is huge. We'll see if he's on a pitch count. The Chiefs, uh, when I asked Andy Reid about this today, he said we're going to wait and see and see how he does. But it seemed like the rehab went well. So fingers crossed he's available against the Bills. McDuffie back this week. Willie Gay probably most likely definitely back next week. That'll be the first time the defense has been all together since week one where they didn't allow any points in one half of football. Uh, we come back. We'll be joined by Ron Kopp Jr. of Arrowhead Pride. Uh, stay with us. 610 Sports Radio's Pete Sweeney and Stusty Ligons here on 610. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. 610 Sports Radio. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back in on the Arrowhead Pride Radio Show here on 610 Sports Radio. Pete Sweeney, chief editor and number one in all your hearts. Mm. Um, look out, Giselle. Hey. Hey, you're both single. You're saying. If try, she slipped into your DMs and said, let's go to 801, you, you're, you're going. Mm. But you got to get the tab. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's, that's a big caveat of that. There you go. Uh, Dusty Leggins with you as well. Jay Southland, Toe Service, text line 913-586-7610. So if you have any questions for Pete or anything about this Sunday that is a mediocre to astronomically large football game <laughs> happening at Arrowhead Stadium and GHA Stadium and Arrowhead Field, or whatever it's called, GHA Field, Arrowhead Stadium, uh, <laughs> that's where we get to play this game on Sunday. Grant Nicholson also here with us producing this thing. Ron Kopp of Arrowhead Pride. Our lead analyst. I didn't put the junior in there, so don't be pissed, Ron. I'm sorry. Thanks for joining the show, as we'll have you uh, most every Wednesday that we do this uh, at 6.15. How are things, Ron, and how are you uh, when it comes to this gigantic game on Sunday? Man, yeah, boss man, uh, Dusty. Good to talk to you guys. I mean, what a week to start AP Radio. I mean, Chiefs, Bills, uh, obviously a huge game. And then all the storylines, obviously, coming off of Monday night, too, so... 
man, no, I'm, I'm fired up for Chiefs Bills. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to live up to, to the hype, I imagine. I mean, and there's a ton of ways it can, so I'm excited to get into it. Ron Kopp, our lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com. That's where you can get all of his film reviews. Ron, it looked like you were diving into the offense this week, and we did see some problems at the beginning of this Monday Night Football game against the Raiders. As you took a, a deeper dive, what was going on early, and then how did they fight their way through? Yeah, you know, I think the first thing right off the bat in the first drive, you really notice the absence of Trey Smith. You know, I, I was one saying, hey, I'm fine with getting Trey Smith back, Trey Smith back to 100% letting Allegretti start in his place. He's a quality guard. But, you know, first drive of the game, you know, there's a, there's a run on first down that gets blown up because Allegretti misses the kickout block. And then on third down, you know, Wiley is the one that gets beat with the inside spin move by Max Crosby. But last year we saw Trey Smith when he when Crosby went to that spin move, mm. you know, blow up uh, Crosby at that, at that point and, and kind of make him pay for, for trying to use that move. Allegretti was too late to, to come over and help Wiley on, on when he used that spin move on third down and, and got the sack on Mahomes. So right off the bat, it, it, Trey Smith's absence was big, and it to just tells you how important he is to the offensive line. But the offensive line's performance in general, I think, right off the bat, really hampered him. You know, obviously, left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. and right tackle Andrew Wiley, I already mentioned. Uh, you know, they both had their struggles, right? Chandler Jones is, is a guy that could be a, a future Hall of Fame player, potentially. And he did have his way with Brown a little bit, but – you know, what, what really did happen as the game went on, and I think it was pretty clear to see that the quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, I think they both kind of focused in a little bit, you know, kind of helped their tackles. Reid by doing it with, with a lot of chip help and a lot of, uh, you know, scheming around it. But Mahomes also, you know, with really good pocket management, you know, stepping up and, and, and you know, avoiding speed rushes around the edge and, and giving his receivers opportunities on quick passes. You know, it was, it was good to see, you know, guys like McCole Harden and MBS have, have big games. So, yeah, it, it was really on, uh, you know, at first it was the offensive line, I think really shook up, uh, you know, the, the, the game plan. But, of course, Mahomes and Andrew Reid write the ship. That's what they usually do. <laughs> you mentioned a lot about Orlando Brown and, and his his troubles on Monday night. Should we be as spectators of this game or should fans of this of this game with the Chiefs be a little bit of concern with Von Miller? Now, I know he's on the injury reserve, or not the injury reserve. I know he was on the injury report today, but I think that's just veterans rest. Should there be a right. lot of worry when it comes to Orlando Brown Jr.? Because I guarantee you that's where Von Miller is going to line up. Absolutely. And if the Bills are smart, that's where they need him to line up because, you know, Brown is, you know, he's not this awful tackle, right? He is a mm. solid, I would say, above average offensive tackle. But what you're seeing and, 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 and what we've seen so far this season is that when he faces elite talent, especially ones that can, that can really utilize the speed rush, and that's what you saw with Jones, man. He was really beating him around the edge. And, we, and, you know, Brown has dealt with a little bit of a knee injury this year as well, and I think this, this factors into it as well. But Brown has just never been a guy that deals well with speed, and, and obviously that's Vaughn Miller's X-factor talent, right? You know, he's going to beat him around the edge. He's got that bend ability, that ghost move where, he, you know, he ducks and doesn't even get touched as he goes by you. I mean, he is he is still as good, it seems like, as he's, as he's ever been as, as a pure pass rusher, Vaughn Miller. And, and that was what was missing from the Bills' defense last year, you know, and, and, and something that worries me about this matchup. You know, the, the, the Chiefs' offense had their way with the Bills' defense last year. The Bills' defensive line didn't really get much done. They were a healthy rotation, you know, a lot of uh, you know strong depth, but didn't have that top-tier guy. And you've seen Von Miller kind of elevate that defense even more this year, especially the pass rush. So you're, you're 100% right. That is the key matchup. I would put Miller on Brown all day if I'm the Bills. And the Chiefs are going to have to scheme around it, which, you know, we've seen them do over and over, right? You know, it's not something that's foreign to them, but, it, you know, it is something that they're going to have to do because one-on-one, -on -one, that's going to be a mismatch for Kansas City. 
Pete Sweeney, Dusty Likens, Arrowhead Pride Radio. We're talking to lead analyst Ron Kopp. I want to switch to the defensive side of the football quickly because we have Trent McDuffie back at practice, and we do think that he could be activated to play against the Buffalo Bills. The Chiefs have said that the rehab has gone well, so I'll put the coach's hat on you, Ron. Rashad Fenton, who is also on the injury report, if he's healthy and good to go, is it time to replace Fenton in that starting rotation in the nickel and and rather taken Watson out, who entered for McDuffie? Is it time to to bench Fenton and ride with two rookies and then Legarius Sneed? Well, if you're giving me the coach's hat, you're giving me the parka, you're giving me you know all the coaches. Yeah, you get everything. I'm wearing it, right? I'm not in stag with head. I absolutely think you have to trust the young guys at this point over Fenton. It's just. That's just how the cornerback position is, I think. You know, it's a very volatile position. It's very streaky. And, you know, right now he's on a very bad streak. He, he really is. You know, I, I kind of wanted to downplay it as, as you know, because we've seen it at times this year. It's not, it didn't just happen against Devontae Adams um, in terms of sentence, you know, maybe some poor performances. I kind of wanted to downplay it as the season went. Like, look, you know, I think he's just gotten, you know, a, a, you know the targets, right? You know, maybe Jalen Watson just hasn't gotten targeted in that same fashion. But the more it goes on, man, the more – Watson does just look like a more competent, you know, sound coverage player. You know, even though even the DPI had on Adams was a lot cleaner of coverage than the DPI that Fenton had on Adams Monday night. So I absolutely think you, they need to go ahead and just trust Watson. He, I think he's earned the opportunity. I think you play a, another team of cornerback is, is playing with confidence, right? You know, you, you want to have guys that are playing, even if it's irrationally confident, you want, you want those guys in the lineup. Um, and because that's just how the position is, you know, you're going to have your losses. Um, but as long as you're right. feeling confident, you know, it's so that all that to say, yeah, I, 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 I do think it's, it's time. Um, you know, I do think Adam's a really good player. He burned him that one and it made him look really bad, but it's, it's, it wasn't just that game. And, and I do think Watson has, has earned the opportunity to, to play over him. Ron, last one here. And then we'll let you get out of here and enjoy this beautiful Wednesday night weather. I thought the <laughs> biggest question, maybe not the biggest question, because if you go outside of the pass interference thing, I thought was, what happened to Pacheco on Monday night? Because the game previous to that in Tampa, he looked like he had finally solidified his spot. Pete Sweeney had called it the tag team duo of of the running backs, keep the legs fresh, go in and out. You can you know reserve each other. And then Pacheco kind of disappeared. Now, I know McKinnon looked great, and maybe it's just by committee throughout the year, but I'd, I'd like to know what your opinion is of where Pacheco went and why he wasn't involved. Yeah, you know, I, uh, Pete knows. I, I was someone that was calling out the anytime touchdown thinking it was easy money on Monday, so I definitely – definitely was someone thinking that uh, Pacheco would have a good game. You know, and, and I do think it just speaks to the fact that Coach Reed and the staff really do go with the hot hand in terms of the guy on the ground. Now, I emphasize that part because I, I think Clyde, you've seen it this year, he has evolved into the passing down pass, you know, pass back, you know, right? He, he's catching, you know, the featured receiving plays out of the backfield. You know, they're using him on more unique routes. And so he is, make, he is making the plays on passing downs. I know Jarek plays some third downs as a pass protector, but Clyde is going to have that pass down role. I think what you're, what you're seeing and what you saw Monday night and also in Tampa is that the running, you know, the run, under center, you know, downhill runner role might fluctuate between who's hotter and who's not, right? And that's where Pacheco or McKinnon, I think McKinnon might have just had that 30-yard run and, and they said, look, you know, that sparked us. We're going to keep riding him, right? I do think that was the spark that, they kind of turn the whole game around. So I think that's kind of how it's, it's battling out. You know, Clyde's going to, you know, always be involved, especially in the past game. But the, those true, you know, workhorse under center running backs, I think it's going to fluctuate between whoever's, uh, you know, looking the best. And McKinnon definitely was looking as good as he was in the postseason last year. Um, so between McKinnon and Pacheco. 
Ron, we appreciate the time. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Same time, same place, same voice. Uh, you got anything coming up this week in Arrowhead Pride that you want to get out there and let the people know about? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, Pete mentioned it. I looked at the offense Monday night. But, you know, since it was a short week, since we got such anticipation for this Bills game on Sunday, we're kind of, you know, a lot of our uh, analysts here, the film analysts, we're kind of turning our film review articles into more film previews, kind of, mm. you know, kind of looking at, you know, maybe how the team has looked so far this year in, in relation to the Bills game, specifically that matchup. So look for those. We'll be previewing the Bills game, at, at, you know, nonstop as much as anyone um, because we're excited. We're pumped for this game. So I'm excited for Sunday. Well, Ron, have a good time. Enjoy the rest of the week. And, and take my advice, don't wear sweatpants on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I probably, I probably, it might be a little chilly, though, right? It's there you chilly go. at night, maybe a little bit. So I don't know. I might have to take it. Well, there <laughs> I, don't go. Know, I don't know. I don't know. I'll let you know. I'll let you know how it goes. Sounds good, man. Be easy. Take care. That's Ron Cobb Jr., the lead analyst of Arrowhead. Probably we come back. Mahomes said this when asked a question. He responded with, it is what it is. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Back in on 610 Sports Radio, the Arrow Pride radio show here with Pete Sweeney, the head chief editor, head honcho, King Arrowhead Pride. Might have more sass than Damon Targaryen after this week. I'm sure you don't get that reference, but that's all right. Targaryen what? Targaryen. Mm. House of the Dragon, my man. House of the Dragon. You got to get into it. Well, you don't. You can do whatever you want. Dusty Likers with you, Pete Sweeney here with you, and Grant Nicholson as well. Pete, I thought this was an interesting stat because my buddy sends me the the text last week, Sunday night, or I guess it was Monday night. And the Chiefs opened up as a two and a half point underdog. Mahomes asked about it today in his press conference. You were there. Yeah. Someone asked what it's like to be, or what do you feel about being the underdog? And he just responded with, it is what it is. Why do we keep doing this to this man? (laughs) Like, do we need to continue to piss him off? Because so many people would say, that you want to play against Patrick Mahomes, you don't want to play against Petty Mahomes. True or false? I I, I do see what you've done there. Clever. I, I'd agree. I think that's true. I think we've seen games where we didn't really think it was that big of a deal, and it's been a deal. I know everyone points to the the game where he counted on his fingers all the way to 10 against poor Mitch Trubisky, who's one of the... Worst quarterbacks we've seen in, in the top three picks in, in, a, in a long time. And we know about Lamar Jackson and the NFL top 100 and counting to four. Just the other night, there was an exchange with Max Crosby when they were getting into it. And earlier in the year, Mahomes was, was shouting uh, at the opposing sideline. I believe it was in the Arizona game. And there is this magic, I think, that happens when Mahomes crosses the white lines where he goes from – this guy who's really good at, at leadership and really good at the podium, really good at preparation to, as Eric Bieniemy so pleasantly surpri- uh, described last year, I think it was, or two years ago, mm-hmm. th- as a competitive brick. Yep. And I think that's a commonality among NFL players is they look for things to tick them off. Um, 
And it wasn't Mahomes, but you saw it in the, with the offensive line play in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game where Shaq Barrett comes out and essentially says, we're going to dominate and have a coming out party. And I, I thought the coming out party was before the offensive line. They had the, the best game that they had all year and still the case because I didn't think they played all that well at the beginning of the Raiders game. And yeah, so I, I, I do think, well, now quite obviously Mahomes knows that they're home dogs. He probably knew before the question, and I don't think he's going to stand there at the podium and necessarily talk about being the betting underdog, but he knows. And I think it's just an extension of what he has heard all offseason. This is a guy who's very tuned in. He does read stuff about himself. He does listen to what people are saying on these talking head shows. And he knows that everyone picked the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. And I think that when you have that already out there and you get this home dog thing, that's just a reminder. It's only going to motivate him more. And, man, if you're the other team, you do not want an extra motivated Patrick Mahomes because that's when I – you know, the times when he's playing, and if you've been in an arrowhead, you know what I'm talking about. The times when he's playing and he really starts feeling himself, he's unbeatable. The guy is unbeatable. So I I think this just adds to that. So you speak of Patrick Mahomes, and we know the competitor – this Sunday is Josh Allen and, and something that always kind of makes things interesting to me is that is this the next Brady versus Manning? And I know you and I've had this conversation before and, and every year it, it, it needs a little bit more seasoning because those guys played against each other for so many years. Mm-hmm. And those guys went at it so many times in the playoffs. This just gives me all the same vibes of Manning versus Brady. You got it in the regular season, most of the time you got it in the postseason. And really what also backs up this topic is does this game really matter? Like I know that it does. Again, I'm not I know that's like a, a I don't know, an oxymoron, I guess you could say, of, of the NFL, but it's like this game is being played in October, right? Like last I checked today is October twelfth. This game literally won't mean anything on how the playoffs go when it comes to who's the better team. Now, if both these teams continue to go on and and have that type of success where they have the same record, then obviously the game has a little bit of meaning because one would be a higher seed than the other. But when Manning and Brady play in the regular season, more often than not, there was a video before the game started of last year's playoff game where one of the teams had to have lost. And then the numbers against each other. And it seems every year they go back and forth every other year with who wins in the regular season and who doesn't. Yeah, I, and then the playoffs happen. I think a lot of fans have the mirror test, and, and what I mean by that is if you're an NFL fan and you have a favorite team, can you look in the mirror and say to yourself honestly that you truly believe that your quarterback is the best in the league? And, you know, whatever. If you want to pretend in, in, if you're in Philly or if you want to pretend if you're in Baltimore or Cincinnati, that's fine. But the only two fan bases who can really do that and really mean it are Kansas City and Buffalo. And that's real. I mean, you just see it in what they call the eye test and and the tape. These are clearly the most talented quarterbacks in the league. You look at the statistics. Josh Allen leads the NFL in offensive touchdowns with 16, and Mahomes leads in passing touchdowns with 15, both in 2022. You have these two guys, and this will be the fifth matchup between the top two all-time leaders in offensive touchdowns per game entering the game with a minimum of 60 games um, ever. You know, that's how good these guys are. That's how well they're playing. That's how good the beginning of their careers has been. And so, yeah, you know, like Mahomes and and Allen, they don't play on the field at the same time, but they know who's across the way. They know who they're going against, and they know what this matchup means to to their legacies and to what they can possibly do this season. 
And it just raises the level of the game. And that's why it does feel like a Super Bowl or a playoff game. When you look at Mahomes this year, 15 touchdowns, Josh Allen, 14 touchdowns. When it comes to yards, Allen has 1651, Mahomes 1398. They go back and forth a lot. But as of now, this matchup is the number one offense versus the number one defense. And what's you can say whatever you want. The Bills have the number two statistically ranked offense when it comes to points per game. Chiefs number one. Defensively, the, the, the Bills have the number one defense when it comes. They're giving about 12.4 points per game. Mm-hmm. Chiefs giving up a little bit more than that, but it's kind of skewed because the Chiefs give up theirs in the fourth quarter when the game's either out of reach like they did with Arizona or like they did with Tampa Bay. So my question is, when you have a game like this, do you want to have more focus on an offense or do you want to have more focus on a defense that can stop one of these big-time explosive offenses? I think, like, the Chiefs are all about buying Mahomes' time. And if you buy him enough time, he, they're going to build a, a two to three score lead. And so if you can curb the bills early, the bills have been really good on their first drive in, in games this year and then tapered off a little bit in the, in the first half. So I, I think if you start strong, if you're the defense, you make Josh Allen uncomfortable while at the same time preventing him from gashing you on the ground, which he has been known to do. And you're able to get some three and outs. Or you're, you're able to get some punts, even if they are able to get a first down and you buy Mahomes' time as good as the bills are. Like we see what Patrick Mahomes can do. And I, I think he's getting more comfortable with these pass catchers. I think he's getting more comfortable with the protection. I think he broke through a little bit when they played a really talented defense in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And again, if you buy Mahomes time, hold Josh Allen to a field goal or two in the first quarter, it's probably 17, six, maybe 14, six by the time you get to the, the second quarter. So I, I don't know. I think the offense will always figure it out. Like we saw on Monday night, started slow by the end of the game, they had 30 points. So if the defense can start fast, you know, that always to me is more important. And I think this is the best defense the Chiefs have had this early in the season in a long time. The defense became really good as time went on in previous seasons, especially the Super Bowl season. But this is the first time you really feel like it's a strong point of the team, regardless of some of the struggles that they had on Monday night. Last question of the segment before we get into the fans part of the show where they can tweet at Arrowhead Pride what they have question-wise. Go ahead. The, yeah. tech, the text line as well. We yeah, 913-586-7610, Jay Southland, Toast Service text line. McDuffie's back, we think. We've talked about it a little bit with Brian. We talked about it a little bit with you if, if, if there's going to be a pitch count. Last week against, or I guess it still seems like this week, but against the Raiders, secondary was exposed, right? Like Devontae Adams had three catches, 124 yards, two touchdowns. They were throwing the ball deep. They were hitting guys. That was Derek Carr. That wasn't Josh Allen. The run D was also exposed. It had the number one rush defense in the league, and Josh Jacobs went nuts. Now, I don't know who's better when you look at Josh Jacobs or Singletary, but when you look at that, my main question of that is, is why don't the Chiefs double-team people? Yeah, no, it, it, it's a fair question, and you would have thought that if there were anyone in the league, maybe, maybe besides Jamar <laughs> Chase or Justin Jefferson, <laughs> Devontae Adams would have been the guy to do it against. But the the way that Steve Spagnuolo schemes it up, sometimes you get those one-on-one matchups and the guy's got to step up. I, I think you're to the point where you have ultimate confidence in LeJarius Sneed. You have pretty decently strong confidence in Jalen Watson, despite him being a seventh-round rookie. I think fans, and rightfully so, have lost a little bit of confidence in Rashad Fenton, who, again, was out of practice on Wednesday as they get ready for the Buffalo Bills. And so if McDuffie does enter, as we've been talking about this, I just wonder who he replaces, and I think that's a fair question. We should get more details on that actually tomorrow because we'll talk to Steve Spagnuolo, and I have a feeling you know he'll be asked point blank about that. But I'm tending to feel that the trio of McDuffie and Snead and Watson should be given – at least the first crack at this thing. And it'll be interesting because Steve Spagnuolo does sometimes have some hesitation with going away from guys he has seen get it done. And Fenton's been better 
in the past, but I think the, the best possible combo right now really does feel like having the two rookies in Snead. It's the fans, it's the texters, it's the tweeters, at Arrowhead Pride. Even if you want to, you can go at PG Sween on hey. Twitter, uh, at Dusty Likens. 913-586-7610 is a text line. Get your questions in as we wrap this show up before a big, gigantic football game on Sunday at Arrowhead. It'll be the Chiefs and the Bills, 325 prime time. Coming up next, your questions here on Arrowhead Pride Radio. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, we got to wrap this show up, unfortunately, but you're in luck because if you listen to radio, which I'm sure you do if you are now, at <laughs> 649 on a Wednesday evening, you'll get the Arrowhead Pride radio show every single Wednesday. Uh, we'll be joined by Warren Cobb Jr., the lead analyst at Arrowhead Pride. Uh, every Wednesday, Pete Sweeney, Dusty Likens, Grant Nicholson, we're here with you. Uh, just basically getting you ready for the rest of the week and then loading you up for Sunday. And it just so happens that this week is uh, is probably the biggest of the year, I would assume. Big I think game. Could think, be the biggest. I think it is. I think the Cincinnati game had more hype before the season started, and now that Cincinnati game is dwindling towards. Well, they're two meh. and three. They're two and three. But this is the time now for you to ask Pete Sweeney your questions. Nine one three five eight six seven six ten. Also at Arrowhead Pride, or if you want to, and go straight to the man himself at PG Sweeney on Twitter. We'll start with the first one that seems, I don't know how serious, but uh, it's hard to read sarcasm in text from the 913, Pete. <laughs> Should Brett Veach call the Panthers to see at least what they are asking for Christian McCaffrey? I know we need a power running back, but this, but his receiving is intriguing if healthy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Right, like GMs call each other all the time, so I'm sure the price is, is out there. If, if there is a price, the Panthers were quick to come out and say that he was not available. I, I think if... They are doing a fire sale. I know this is a hot take on Twitter, but mm-hmm. I, I agree with it. I, DG, DJ Moore, the receiver, would be more interesting to me than Christian McCaffrey. I, I think the Chiefs are okay right now with this. Like, Let's see which running back is going to run the best, and let's ride with them. I, Isaiah let's Pacheco's ride. had his moment, and uh, Clyde has had his moments quite obviously, and, and this past game was Jet McKinnon. And No, they're not Christian McCaffrey, but they're fine. And I just don't know if you want to sacrifice that much of your future of what it would take to maybe get CMC from the nine one three Pete. That's you. Uh, If the chiefs lose on Sunday, if big, if uh, do you think Veach will make a big name transaction, like signing Odell Beckham jr. Or making a trade for a Robert Quinn or someone before the trade deadline? I don't know about an edge uh, guy. I, I do think that Veach will be too tempted to, to try to get OBJ here again. We know that he wanted him here last year. And so there's definitely going to be that interest, I think, again. Not a lot of people are talking about the Chiefs right now when it comes to OBJ, but I think they should. I really think they should because the Chiefs pursued him aggressively. And I think this year there's no Tyree Kill, and it really does scream a team that maybe is like a Tyree Kill-ish player away, Mm -hmm. a star, star, star receiver away. And if OBJ is healthy, could be that missing ingredient that makes you feel like, okay, this team is the best team. This team is capable of winning a Super Bowl. Why are the Bills favored against them? 
Someone uh, wants to have something happen to Josh Allen that happened to Patrick Mahomes last year on the text line, 9135-867610, and then we'll move to Twitter. But first, from the 816, I believe, from the 816, has anybody played Josh Allen like teams played Mahomes last year with a two-high safety, dot, 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 question mark? Yeah, I'm not studying the the Bills as in-depth as I, I do the Chiefs, but as far as dropping guys back, I think Allen is a little bit more apt to run. Mm-hmm. And so I... I I can't imagine they would feel that comfortable doing that. I feel like if you're dropping eight uh, as much as the people were against the Chiefs last year, Allen would just run the entire way until he ran, you know, sixty yards for the touchdown, sixty yards total on a drive. So I can't imagine they're they're using the same strategy. But I I don't have the information in front of me to give you that answer. Uh, this is from SoCal one one eight six on the Twitter sphere. We kind of talked to Ron Kopp about this for a little bit, but he said, but they asked on Twitter, why didn't we see more Pacheco versus the Raiders? I think Ron's response kind of summed it up. The, I, I, I'm trying to, it's hard to get negative responses from the Kansas City Chiefs, which is why they have such a great program. But mm-hmm. I think sometimes you can read into some of their answers. And, and the answer about McKinnon that I asked after the game from Andy Reid was like, he's a veteran, he has the experience. He's a patient back who knows how to follow the blocks, and we appreciate that. This has been something that Isaiah Pacheco has been working on, and I'm not sure they're that confident in him. The thing is, Pacheco is not going to get necessarily all of the chances to get going. So in his first one or two carries in a game, he's got to look really good to stay in the game. and I think that's going to be important for him. Now, that may change as the season goes along. He learns the playbook. He gets a little bit more patient. But I think CEH and Jet are going to get the first and the most cracks to become that hot hand. And it just didn't happen for Pacheco the other night. And so I think that's why you saw less of them Uh, at Justin case 79. I think his, I think it's K it's K case, like just in case he says, we have some injuries and one player with a suspension, making our defense have to put in rookies, but we struggle holding bills. Like we saw with Raiders, especially since Josh Allen, or as he calls him, J a, can air the ball out. Well, I think the the Bills are more capable of scoring all game long than the Raiders are. And so what the reality is, is that the Bills are going to get your defense. As, as good as they play this week, the Bills are going to score points. So I think the key is if that happens, the offense has to not be have a slow start because you don't want the Bills running away with this thing. And so... Um, you know, to me, it is just, it's, it's a combination of everything, right? Like you need everything to go right when you're playing another elite team is, which is what the Buffalo bills are. This is the prop bet that I have bet the last two weeks and I've yet to cash in it. Pete, is this the week that Juju finally gets a touchdown? And I keep thinking, I keep thinking at, you know, at a certain <laughs> point here, right? It's gotta happen, right? I gotta throw a touchdown to one of these receivers and, and it, it hasn't happened yet, and I'll, uh, I guess I'll go out on another limb and say yes because, look, uh, I know that MBS, Marquez, Valdez-Scantling, and, and McCole Hardman were able to get some production last game, but Juju has been the guy after Travis Kelsey, and at a certain point here, he's going to score a touchdown, right? So, you know, why not this weekend against the Buffalo Bills? Pete, this is uh, another one from the 903. Pete, was Joshua Williams only in on that last play where Adams ran into – his teammate, which was Hunter Renfro, due to Fenton's hamstring injury. Seems that way. It seems that way. For whatever reason, Joshua Williams, he had the opportunity during camp um, to be that guy when Fenton was dealing with injury, and he must have played his way out of it. Maybe it's an understanding of the defense, uh, but Jalen Watson has been the pick, uh, and it had to get down to the fourth cornerback because you didn't have McDuffie in that game for 
Williams to get his opportunity. And so, it, you know, I think that's why, why you did see him there. And the injury was serious, serious enough to hold Fenton out of this initial practice today on Wednesday. And so uh, if you're trying to read into that, I would say, yes, it was probably due to the injury. Last one, 913 Pete. Can the Chiefs put together a financial package to lure in OBJ quality player? Question mark. Um, I thought they were cash strapped. I'm one of these people who understands that OB, <laughs> OBJ is going to cost money. And I am one of these people who understands that the Chiefs are a little cash strapped. I am also one of these people who believes if, if the Chiefs want a certain player, maybe they would be able to figure out a way to get that, that money available. The, the, Brain trust, as they say, between Veach and uh, Brantillis and, and Crochet, they've pulled off some magician-like moves in the past with limit, limited-to-be-earned incentives and, and whatnot that you can work around. And so I think if they want him badly enough, they can figure out and come to an agreement to, to get him in Kansas City. Uh, I have faith in, in the personnel stuff. Pete Sweeney, Arrowhead Pride, Dusty Likens, 610 Sports Radio, Grant Nicholson producing this bad boy. Pete? You got anything coming up this week you want to get out on the open and on the airs? We pumped up our staff this year at OurHeadPride.com, yeah. so we have a lot more content coming each and every day of, of all you know, variety. So what I would say is continue to scroll down because there's there's new stuff every day. We were producing probably about seven or eight articles now. We're probably doing about 10 to 15 every day. So um, take it in. Enjoy it. We're going to be pumping it up for, for Bill's weekend uh, coming up this weekend. And uh, yeah, I, I know everyone's excited about this game, so keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com and all our podcast channels and right here on 610 Sports Radio. Have they announced who's banging the drum yet? It's not you? I thought you, you had the I update. want it to be Joe Montana. Okay. That's my that's my vote. At some point here, we got to get Fitzpatrick in here, right? Why? He never played for the Chiefs. No, he he got, the got them a playoff win. <sighs> that's Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride, Chief Editor, Plaid Prince, whatever you call him. I call him my best friend. So uh, you guys continue to listen to this on Wednesday night. Check out the podcast. Go to Arrowhead Pride. Look up all the content there. As he said, boosted the staff, loaded up. 